Live from the Mecca Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matter, where we are relearning to live the faith in the age of fulfillment. Look at that. Look at that. I think I just, okay, it's gone. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. So last week, I revealed some details about my own sexual experiences growing up way back in my formative years, all the way up to the present. And I felt inclined to do that because I wanted to crack open, uh, I wanted to open up the facts that we humans are by nature very sexual creatures. And because of this fact, we rarely see people escaping this life without being involved in some sort of strange or aberrant or sinful sexual indiscretions. Some people more than others, uh, as my personal story revealed, at least for me. But before we get more deeply into the topic of sexuality in the age of fulfillment, I want to wrap up some thoughts on marriage as we defined it two weeks ago, which was that the biblical definition of marriage is when two people of different genders willingly agree to sexual intercourse. I firmly stated that marriage, again, in the biblical sense, was not then nor now a ceremony, a party, a religious person saying magical words, a pastor sealing, any of that stuff, right? Certainly those things are not forbidden. They're not forbidden, of course. In fact, they can really be festive and meaningful. We had a wedding uh, uh, reception and, and, uh, for my daughter, and we had the party, and it was fun and everything like that. But the point we need to stress to our children and to our grandchildren and beyond is that the marital commitment to another person is made when the two bodies become one through sexual intercourse because that has the potentiality of multiplying and replenishing the earth. And that takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Should pastors perform ceremonies and call them marriages as a means to validate the earthly union between two people? Not in my opinion. No, not in my opinion. They can, but it's not doing anything. Pastors don't have any authority. We can't say anything magical that's going to make the marriage. The marriage is when the two people become together. And this was part of the problem that we mentioned two weeks ago. In my opinion, an authority-less, authority-less pastor has no business in the name of God inserting themselves into the individual union of a couple when they agree to have sexual relations and suggest that he or she is sealing or marrying anyone on earth. And because they have assumed this faulty position, stay with me, because pastors and reverends and preachers and bishops and all the rest of it have assumed this faulty position over the centuries, we find ourselves facing another mess relative to religion sticking its nose in the things of God. And that is homosexuals wanting to be married in the godly sense, the biblical sense of the word. There is a godly version of marriage, which I have defined, and there is an earthly sense of marriage, which involves ceremonies and tax exemptions and things like that. Understand clearly that Jesus said in his day that marriage was for the children of that age. And Paul suggested it was for those who could not abstain from sexual relations, uh, sexual intercourse. So I get this. And so when it comes to homosexual couples who love each other, I offer no resistance at all 
to them having an earthly union ceremony sanctioned by earthly powers. Okay, I don't know why Christians, especially evangelicals, evangelicals care to tell you the truth. Why do we get so wrapped up if two homosexuals want to have an earthly uh, ceremony that sees them as a couple in the eyes of the law? Oh, wait, I know why they care. Because they errantly see marriage as a ceremony and a paper rather than the biblical definition of what it is. You get it? So any homosexual couple has the right to a civil union as they see that they see as binding in their lives and in the courts of law and that benefits them and their tax status. That they have that right on this earth, okay? That union is of the earth, but we cannot go around and say that it's seen as marriage in the eyes of God because marriage in the eyes of God is... Da, 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 da. That's right, when two people of the opposite sex willingly agree to engage in sexual intercourse. Adam and Eve, Abraham and Hagar, we have that becoming marriage. When Christians begin to start to define marriage in this biblically defined way, if we would all just say, no, this is when marriage occurs, all the wars against the outside world will end. And we can love people as they choose to live, giving ourselves a better chance to share Jesus with them. But again, by virtue of the definition of biblical marriage, it is impossible, it's impossible for two people of the same sex, no matter how frantically they rub their bodies together, to, to be married in the eyes of God. That is not how he set it up in the Garden of Eden. No matter how much they want to make it amenable and they want to say we are married. You see, that's why the stance on what biblical marriage is is so important to Christians today. It has nothing to do, nothing to do, whether two people of the same gender can love each other. I believe that they can. And I believe they can be committed to each other. And I believe that they can support each other and be lifelong partners and all of that in the romantic and in the erotic sense. It has nothing to do with their freedom as human beings here on this earth. Marriage is of this earth and people want to do that in that way and get it sealed by the government and taxes. Fine. But it has to do with what God established as the standard when we're talking about marriage. So can a homosexual couple have a wedding? They can. Can they be a union in the eyes of God? They can. Are they married? They are not. No matter what we say. I don't care how many ways we want to twist it around because we want to be kind to people. That's not how God set it up. So as messed up, uh, as a messed up heterosexual man, as last night's show proves, I want to have marriage uh, mean that I can have lots of women. So my view, Sean McCraney's view is, well, I want marriage to mean I can have 20 wives because I like a lot of women, right? That's my vision of it. And uh, that's my heart and desire. And I think I could love all 20 of those wives to a certain extent. Maybe not well, but to a certain extent. Does that mean I get to say it's of God? 
No, the biblical definition does not allow Sean McCraney to say he gets to have his way and call it marriage. So pensions and drives have nothing to do with what marriage is in the biblical sense. Christian churches will save themselves a lot of pain and trouble if they stop performing what they call church weddings right now and tell their congregates to go to a justice of the peace if they want a special tax-exempt status for their union. And homosexuals can do the same thing, and Christians should shut their mouths about it. Why do you care? It doesn't matter. It's, of this, it's, like, it's like you're getting mad about, I don't know, all sorts of things that people do on this earth. That's their choice. That's their right. So what? Does God see it that way? No. So we can clearly delineate how we see things, but we can love people along the way. In the age of fulfillment, it's really important to see this world for what it is, okay? If you start to see it outside of this, you're going to start fearing what other people do here. You're going to start pointing fingers and you're going to start judging people. And in the age of fulfillment, we need to see that this is a place reconciled to God through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, his victory. It, the more you can understand this world through that view, the easier you're going to live and the better life you're going to have and the kinder you will be, all right? That this world is going to go on and God loved it be, uh, before he gave us his son and he continues to love it afterward. He loved it. There are many things, uh, many people who do not care for the things of God on this earth. They don't give a rat's rear end about the things of God, and God loves them. As Christians, we should love them too, unconditionally, you see. And these will uh, live through all sorts of expressions of their own choice, these types. They will, they will do what they want. They will marry their animals. They will, uh, they will do all sorts of things that are uh, not biblical in the sense of what God wants. And uh, that's their choice and their right as human beings to do what they want so long as they're not hurting somebody else according to the law. As sons and daughters of God, we choose to live humbly for him and his kingdom and seek not to destroy others, but to love others who even choose these ways that are not according to the Bible and to share Jesus and to walk humbly in faith. And this has nothing to do with marital status or non-status. These things are elements of the flesh and of an economy that does not exist above. That's, that's why when you're a son and daughter of God, you are looking to a heavenly kingdom. So you don't stress over what's happening on the earthly, fleshly kingdom. That's not what we see in evangelicalism today. We see warfare, warfare, warfare against the fleshly things of this earth. We're not going to ever win those things. All we're going to do is alienate people. So let's talk for a quick minute about sexuality in the age of fulfillment. God's laws written on the hearts and minds of all believers, encouraged by the Spirit, move every person today. His concern for his children is based on what's best for us. And the laws and the Spirit confirm this to us. We do not need religious men or women to interpret what is right and wrong 
in our lives, and this includes our sex lives. We don't need a person, man or woman, telling us what's okay and what's not. If you have freedom in your life and God is in your heart and you love it's between you and God. If you're a child of God, I can't con- uh, condemn you or criticize you, and no one else can. It's between you and him in the age of fulfillment. Religion has long gone after, gone after masturbation. I mean, that's like their, their favorite subject, masturbation. And inappropriate touching, anal sex, oral sex, and all that. Anal sex, that's a big one. Oh, my gosh, you beastie bestiality, sodomites, you know, and, and Westboro Baptist going nuts over this stuff, right? It has a, it is built, that, that has built a bunch of chain stores um, selling guilt and shame and fear uh, to these practices that are part of the human experience. You may not like some, I may not like some, you may like, you may not, I don't know. But The answer to sexuality is not addressing sexuality. That's not how we do it. The answer to all sexual issues is faith in Jesus Christ. There is your answer. Someone comes to you and says, oh, I'm having relationships with my neighbor. Oh, I'm sleeping with my boa constrictor. Oh, I'm uh, making out with my brother's cousin's sister's nephew's wife whatever freakish thing they're doing. The answer to them is Jesus Christ. The answer is not to address the proclivity. You see, that's the problem, is we have been addressing the proclivities, which are part of the flesh and always will be, and they're never going away. Those things are not going away. And I think religion relies on that so they can constantly be in business, right? So because one that is in place, each individual will understand by and through their direct relationship with God how to handle things if Jesus is introduced. If all we do is poke at the scabs of each single thing that we do wrong and we just keep picking at them and it starts to heal over and then we pick at it again, we're just going to have a bunch of bleeding people around us. But if if you bring Jesus in, People have a, a hands, they have a foot up on the problem. And, they can, if, and if it's a problem, and then when Jesus starts to work in them, he in his gentle love and long suffering brings them through their addiction to circus pony porn or whatever else it is that gets us off in an age that is absolutely sex crazed insane. Jesus is the solution, not religion, not rules, not poking on the specific problem. It's Jesus. And until we get that, we're never going to change in the faith. And what's going to happen is we're going to lose generations of kids and young adults like millennials because they don't give a crap what you think about this act or that act. And they've developed this Uh, way to approach it because they've seen it's ridiculous. What we're really doing is called, we are walking by faith. That's what it's called, to walk by faith. When I was LDS, uh, a young LDS married man, the bishop called my wife and I in and asked us if we were having oral sex. And he told us that if we were, it must stop. 
And I said, does that include kissing? You see what happens when you start to try to micromanage people's sex lives? You know, they didn't even think beyond their their crazy uh, imaginations that oral sex, you know, using your mouth in sexual practices could include kissing your wife on the lips. No, 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 no. Let's redefine it. And let's, you know, that's called religion, you guys. Religion will always make a case for its positions and they make them in the name of God, taking God's name in vain. But the spirit God of the Spirit, in the Spirit, He works through the Spirit. And, when the, and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit is, there is liberty. So, are there limits, rules, and parameters wherein people of God are to define themselves when it comes to sexual relations in and outside of marriage? There are. Outside of marriage, God tells us that sexual intercourse is the marital act. He also wants us to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So you take all that, whatever it means, you take it and you decide what it means for you in your life. And if you have a problem or you think it's a problem or you're caught up in a problem, you go to God and you talk to Him. You openly say, I'm loving the circus chimp porn I'm watching, God. And He says, okay, let's work on that. And He'll start working with you. We don't need men. We don't need their stupid, guilt-ridden, shame-driven bullcrap on us. We have Jesus by the Spirit in our hearts. And every time we fall, we know if we're His. Ah, I blew it again. Lord, help me. Be patient with me. And the Lord says, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. I'm with you. And He doesn't let you go. The thing is, there is not... There's nothing evil in and of itself, folks. And sex and sexual relations are a good thing. They're not a bad thing, right? Start there if you have what you believe are issues. Just start there and let the Holy Spirit guide. He is with you if you're a believer. He has been aware of and has seen everything imaginable that you could possibly be considering everything in the course of human history. Be open with him. Tell him your heart. Give him your soul. And I promise you, whatever it is you are or like or do, he will either validate it for you in your heart or he'll move you away from it gently. That I can promise you. Write your comments below. I know we've been talking about sex for a while, but it's a big topic. Uh, write your comments below and we'll cover them next week here on Heart of the Matter. But don't come near me with your anal sex uh, requests. That's an exit in my life, kids.